Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio's Special Edition. I'm not doing the intro in Japanese this time because I'm not in the right headspace, because I'm recording this remarkably early, like earlier than even I do the lesson on what on my phone that helped me learn Japanese, and I'm just, I'm not there. But I wanted to say a huge thank you to everybody who listened to the last Sunday edition about black people in anime because I am black representation in anime. I made that thinking it would be a super divisive thing, and it may have been. I have no way to hear from you guys sometime in that regard. But I was really enthused to see that a ton of people listened to it. So this Sunday edition is going to be on... I want to call it media literacy, but that's not quite right. I more want to talk about the being aware of the conditions that something that in which a piece of media was made. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because we all got a new streaming service that nobody asked for, but has one glorious thing about it, and that streaming service is called TikTok. Not not TikTok, that's my brain being up at 4.15 in the morning, but um, called Peacock, actually, and that is NBC Universal's best stab at a streaming network. And it has a free tier, so if you don't have it and you are in any way interested, it is literally free. You can go sign up for it now, and there are tons of nonsense for you to go watch on that thing, including a, and I shit you not, a whole channel, like a terrestrial TV channel, just devoted to the joy of painting with Bob Roth. It is amazing. It is amazing. Go watch that thing. (laughs) But, anyway. The reason why I want to talk about the condition something is made in it, because there are choices made by creators that reflect the time that they're made in. And a kind of a kind of weirdly perfect example is something I experienced yesterday night. And that is I was playing Overwatch, as I do, because I play a lot of Overwatch on my Switch. Um I don't know why. I'm not generally a first person shooter fan, but that that game just kind of like clicked in my head in some way. And now it's just, like, the default game I play to, like, hang out and relax by myself. I just play a shit ton of Overwatch. And Overwatch is notable for being extremely diverse. <laughs> like, extremely diverse. And I'm not sure about the nationality or the... or anything of the composers on the soundtrack that just released, but it's... It stunned me that the amount of producers on that soundtrack were not as diverse. And yes, I know it's video game soundtracks are like an odd thing and there's only a certain amount of composers in the world, I get it. But it would have been kind of cool to see that diversity that they have created in their um, cast of characters reflected all the way through the thing. 
instead of having just the same people. And I understand why it's just the same people. It's easier. It's more profitable. I get it. But it it just felt odd when I was looking at it. And I know we're all very aware of this stuff right now, especially because, you know, we all stuck in our houses. Police brutality has become a major thing again with the George Floyd protests. And, like... Racial awareness is like tur- dot, the racial awareness dial is turned all the way up to eleven currently. I understand that, but I I would argue that's not a bad thing because as I the reason I made the black and anime podcast last for last Sunday was because and people had to explain this to people. When around um, the Mile Morales stuff in Spider-Man, um, around Black Panther, um, even around probably at way way before either of those in that cartoon when it came to that cartoon Static Shock, it's important for everybody to be able to see themselves in their media and. Shows like Static Shock um, and movies like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Black Panther are already looked at and will continue to be looked at as way ahead of their time in terms of featuring a, a, a cast that acknowledges that black people exist in the world and acknowledges that they can they can be superheroes and they can have full lives and they can like be a whole cast of characters because and this is something I've noticed as a biracial person oftentimes and this is largely because sitcoms don't want to deal with the don't want to deal with the real world in this way. Oftentimes, sitcoms make the explicit decision not to have a black character or not to have a white character. And if you're like, "What do you mean not to have a white character?" Yo, go watch BET sometimes. That channel is wild. In some in some of those shows, white people just don't exist. It's kind of amazing, actually. But what what that results in is it results in a suspension of reality because they're made either specifically ignoring or specifically judging the period of time we're in because they aren't showing the the full scope the full scope of reality in one place. They're either showing these are intentionally leaving out the black experience or they int- are intentionally promoting the black experience and just ignoring the white experience because they're they're not made for that audience when i think the better way to approach it is something like the, well overwatch now but initially something like avatar the last airbender 
or even more so Legend, Legend of Korra, where they straight up have those conversations about the conditions in which their extremely diverse cast grows up in. In Avatar The Last Airbender, they make sure to include a cast member from every nation in that show, from every different culture in that show, and you see those cultures mix and change, and then the kind of genius of Korra is they introduce of, like, 1920s-esque New York City where every one of those cultures constantly mixes and constantly pushes and pulls, and you see the, like, eventually race relations get to a boiling point. They have a straight-up scene. They have a whole section of a season that is just about police brutality. They have all these things, and they deal with all these things, and the show is a more informative, opinionated, and entertaining show for it. And it, that show has a lot of press, especially, especially Legend of Korra, has a lot of pressing things to say about the world now, even more than when it was made and when it ended. I think it ended in, like, 2012-ish. But... It, there's an, awa- there's an awareness to that show of when it was made, of what kind of show it wanted to be, of what kind of conversation that escapist art wanted to have with the world it was offering an escape to, uh, an escape from. And I think the thing that probably, like, initially sprung this in my head is a few you a few few years ago now, but a few, actually, probably, probably two years ago now, but a handful of anime seasons ago now, it, a show came out, and I, it, it had me, had me genuinely concerned for the anime community, and that show was, and you probably already guessed it, Tanya the Evil. And the reason why I was, like, deeply, like, about that show is because it... was straight up a show about Nazis. It was a show where... And I have this problem with a lot... with... I'm sure a lot of people have this problem with this show, is that... They could have done the Tanya the Evil show without making it about Nazi Germany. (laughs) Without making Tanya in Nazi Germany. They could have just made that show. It probably actually would have been a better show. and would have let people into it more because... Especially, and I'm, I'm sure that show be hitting different now because it, it ignored the it ignored the space that it was being made. It ignored the space of reality that it was being made in, and as a result, as time goes on, that show will look worse. And it did another show that, <laughs> another show that like. 
I got creepy feelings from and thus didn't, thus didn't, um, continuous is actually, um, Attack on Titan and Attack on Titan, a friend of mine once asked, like, hey, why do you, why, why don't you like Attack on Titan? It's, it's, seems like any, everything you might like. I'm like, yeah, except I can make a bunch of connections in my head to Nazi Germany? And he looked at me and he went like, because of German names? And I'm like, no, and I took him down a path. And a couple years later, we all ended up there. We all ended up in the Titans Under Press class, and they are fighting back against people who are descendants of the oppressors and the oppression has not had time to, like, be worked out of the system yet. And it is a problem. And I'm just like, of course, of course my initial thought about this is true. Because, goddammit, that was, like, not even in 2020 when that came out. So, I... What I'm trying to say is that even anime has conditions in which it's produced in and which affect its production as a piece of usually escapist art. Because, and this was kind of my point with Black Lagoon, is Black Lagoon is playing with, is at both times playing with the understanding that there is a overt racism in the world. It just exists, and the world is like an ugly racist place. But it also f full, makes those characters full characters and works works within the rules as it exists in a way that is extremely realistic and possible versus just saying I, and I talked about this with Brand New Animal versus just saying we don't feel like racism is a big enough bad guy so we're going to like take this step too far and get real pseudoscience-y and make it, it, and make it kind of uncomfortable by the end of that, by like the middle third of that show, when you're like, ah, this sounds an awful lot like these medications won't work on black people, so why, so why prescribe them for heart disease? Um, and I, I just think that as watchers of a form of media, you need to be aware of the in how that media was produced in relation to the environment it was produced in and i think that it there's lots of shows about actually the whole genre of media in japan about the yakuza and the history of the yakuza is basically it is 
a place for the quote unquote untouchables of Japan to gain to gain any kind of any kind of standing at all. And the most inter- to me at least the most interesting like shows that involve the Yakuza are not with the show the Yakuza of the bad guys. Because the thing about lots of organized crime is that, yes, there are bad people running drugs and, you know, prostitution rings and all of this other stuff. But there are also, there's also a section of people in the world for whom organized crime is, was really only going to be the, just one thing they ever did and did well and found a, like, were able to carve out some kind of life for themselves. And, um, that's why that, that's why that comedy show, I forget the name of it, I did a, um, I did, actually did an episode on it, um, a couple, a couple seasons back, about the girl, about the psychic from space who shows up in a space pod, I forget her name, but it, folk, but the, her, like, parental figure is a, like, low-level Yakuza captain, who is a, who's basically an art, like, a Yakuza art dealer. <laughs> and you see his life, and you see the way that he functions in the world. But you also, you look at him, and you see that even before he was a of jo- joined the family, so to speak, didn't really have another place where he could go. And one of the best shows about this, one of the shows that's most aware of the universe in which it is made, like, reality in which it's made, is probably this show that, if you don't know it, you've seen... You've seen the character, and you've seen the books on literally every manga bookshelf in America, um, and that is Great Teacher Onizuka, and oh, aka GTO. Great Teacher Onizuka was made in like the mid '90s, early 2000s era, and it's very aware that the character it puts forth. And it uses this for comedy initially, but then, especially in um, Young Onizuka, which is a prequel that they actually turned into an anime a bunch of seasons later. But it's very aware of the fact that this guy has no right being a teacher and, and like, has has no traditional place as a teacher, but it, that show, and especially, actually, especially the early, the earlier, um, the, like, prequel, wants to get, wants to create room for a, for, for a person like that, a person who grew up in the way that Onizuka grew up, to have the opportunity to be a teacher to, you know, steer kids away from the path that he, like, 
fully went down. By the time, if you've ever seen the original GTO, by the time you meet that character, he is, he is biker gang god. He is just biker gang god. And people, there are, you see people in that show later on where they're like, why are you kids messing with this guy? He will murder you. He has murdered people. He has Akira-style beginning of the movie in Akira biker gang-style straight-up murdered people with a bat and a motorcycle. Do not screw with this dude. And they... They, I, and I talked about this in the, um, what's it called, in the Black Good episode Slate, they use the characters around him to contrast the way that he lives and the way that he has come up through the world against the way that all of the other characters, especially if Especially the vice principal have like ended up coming up through the world and you know establishing a career and being a certain way and they highlight the fact that because Onizuka has a wealth of experience in the world he has a completely different way of perceiving it and dealing with it than the like I went to a good high school, that I went to a good college, and I went, and I have a respectable degree. Because <laughs> highly implied that Onizuka's degree is like fucking some backwater nowhere land. And I, I'm kind of a shitbag of a husk of a body in a job, and that's kind of what you see in the um, vice principal character who's just a petty asshole. <laughs> but, it, and there's a lot of this kind of treatment of characters in anime, and because they're aware of who they're being made for, of who the show's being made for, you know, anime is not made for, anime is generally, especially shown in anime, like Great Tunyu, or Naruto is actually a, also a great example. Anime is not necessarily made for people who have everything already. It, it, it's I, I'm sure that there that those people watch anime, but like Naruto may be a super popular show, but it is not super popular because it is. It is trying to be in conversation with the kid who went, who grew up in a good family and went to Harvard. It's trying to be in a conversation with the kid that never really felt quite good enough, would never, never really fit in, and at some point, fitting in made everyone around him push him not out, but to the side, and that, like, he's still there, but we don't actually talk to him or look at him anymore. Uh, that's the kind of thing that... 
a, lots of it, those are the kinds of people that something like Naruto is made for. And the problem with Tanya the Evil is that it's it's made as a power trip for like slightly drunk, slightly depressed office workers. And I don't I'm not saying that no, and also military otaku, because, uh, blah. but it, if you're going to make that, and if you're going to, if that's going to be your stated goal, why are you going to make, and I realize this show came out a bunch of seasons before we experienced what I'm going to refer to as a troubled year. <laughs> But it it came out to, to an internet that was already, like, full of the bullshit that would help get us as fucked as we are right now as a universe. And it... The fact that it didn't realize, like, hey, if we put a whole bunch of... Not, like, if, if we make, like, the not-Nazis... And we put it out into the world. We can't just slide by on that shit. We can't do it. So what? One of the greatest just like video gaming PR moments that have ever that was ever perpetrated by a man was when. Wolfenstein 2 was coming out. It was when we had a, what I'm going to refer to as a flare-up of our white supremacy in America. <laughs> and as soon as they could, on everything other than their TV commercials, Wolfenstein, the Wolfenstein PR team, just went full fuck Nazi, fuck Nazis, they can go die in their advertising. And yes, that was totally a PR thing, and yes, it was totally a PR thing for Wolfenstein, because that video game is about a, and I deeply love this, as someone who identifies with lots of the verticals of this man, it is about a Jewish disabled guy getting a robot suit. <laughs> And murdering Nazis. And it's like... That... If you wanted to make a power fantasy... For... Like... Japanese office workers... Uh, you could have made all kinds of things. But no. You went to... This guy... Gets basically reincarnated by an by an angry god in the and also the lowly shit is just a lot in the show it's like that show is weirdly fetishistic about a lot of shit but they, when they made Tanya the evil they could have made her at least a teenage could have made Tanya at least a teenager they could have made her in a much more fictionalized war that was not against 
that when she was on the side of good, and then you have a like reincarnated version of Senku, which is just just deeply the best. Would that would have been amazing? Instead, they went, okay, we're trying to hit a bunch of demos here, so we're going to make this thing that is on paper abhorrent, <laughs> that represents not just the things that people don't always like about anime, but embraces its worst impulses in a way that many anime and manga creators realized exist and then, like, grabbed the wheel of the bus and just steered it completely into the other lane. So, you know... You look at Full Metal Alchemist. You you you, t you take a look at Full Metal Alchemist, and they have the Ishvalan War in that show, and they have characters who characters who you know and love who are war criminals, like straight up war criminals. Make no mistake, Roy Mustang is a upstanding, good person, but he is a war criminal <laughs> by the modern definition. But they spend time with that, and they deal with it, and they introduce a br brown brick shithouse of a man in Scar, who's just like the living embodiment of what we fucked up. <laughs> and they at least have a conversation about it. They at least have a conversation about the fact that they attempted to exterminate a people. And they deal with that. And they, they tell you the, like, motives behind the, like, people attempting to create a philosopher's stone there. It's not, like, the show is not great about that. But it at least has some way to handle it. But the... And I ended up focusing on Tani the Evil because the show straight up bothered me. But it's not that it can be true of any show, and it can be it can also be true of the backgrounds of a show or a or a thing you like. So, like I said, I was a little let down to like see only two or three composers on the Overwatch soundtrack that they put out because I. I would have loved to see a soundtrack that was as multicultural as um, the game, as the character, as the cast of characters are, at the very least, visually, in Overwatch. They they made the main marketing character of Overwatch is gay. <laughs> the they have a Egyptian character. They have multiple black characters. They have a black emo girl. Uh, they have all of these... They have all these different cultures. And, like, yes, they have Reaper. And, yes, they have Captain's, like, default in Soldier 76. But they, like, strongly imply he's just gay. <laughs> So, it, it, 
And the other thing, about, the last thing I'll say about this, and then I'm out, <laughs> is that, that, that people, consumers reward this now. It has been proven that consumers will reward doing that work to make that diversity real and to really support it. And Overwatch, up until release of the soundtrack, which I under, once again, no skin off anybody's cheeks, that, I understand why that happens. I'm just saying, you made all this, Blizzard made all this effort to create this very multicultural world in which it acknowledges all of the different things in which the characters have become stand-ins for different cultures and different cultural settings, like... May was becoming a stand-in for a while for Hong, for Hong Kong freedom and Chinese and Chinese for Hong Kong's independence from China. Um, Diva is a you know symbol of power for Korean people because she is a gamer and because she like lounges around and when. I remember when her um, Academy skin, which admittedly I use and it's very cool, came out. I, lots of gamers and lots of female gamers in Korea were disappointed because they felt like it was very miss the boat and fetishistic, and I, in a way that. D Diva had never been treated like that up till that point. Although you know, she ha she has a Lolita costume, so that's a different direction. But I, Black Panther was the big demonstration of if you do the work, if you go out and you make a movie with a ninety percent black cast, a you go out and you get A-list black recording artists to create music for this movie, and you go for it. You go for the black dream of black futurism, and you, you go for the, like, metaphorical version of the Lupe Fiasco song, All Black Everything, then an audience, a massive audience, will come out and will reward, financially reward you for doing that work. And I, I think that... I think that more media in general could be more aware of that and more aware of the putting diversity into their work because... Not every and no and some people won't get it right, but not everybody. Prom nobody truly lives in the like very cloistered, and this is what we've learned with COVID. No one lives in this cloistered world where they only see one kind of person, or they only are concerned with one kind of person, because we live in an interconnected world and we deal with all kinds of people and our media should reflect that. That's why something like 
That's why ensemble casts where the ensemble was a cast and made up of all the different characters like Cowboy Bebop, like Avatar Last Airbender, like Legend of Korra, like Overwatch, like Into the Spider-Verse. That's why all those things do so well because they have a, they have opportunities for just about anybody watching them to see themselves in that in that show in that property the best thing the best thing about for me that like makes me cry every time in into the spider-verse is at the very end when miles says anyone can wear the mask you can wear the mask and i think we need to make media in the environment as it exists so when you escape when you're escaping for, when you're using media as an escape which is fine everybody does it god knows i do it's you're not escaping to a world that does that can't exist you're escaping to a better version of the world and i think that's that's really the ultimate goal of a lot of media they want to show a version of the world that where everything is better where if it's a power fantasy a version of the world where the person watching has the opportunity to have the kind of power that they don't get that's what that is what sword art online is people hate it but that thing is about like okay we know you're a dweeb and you kind of suck and they prove that out with Kirito. Kirito, in the real world, is just kind of a dork. But in, in like the video games he plays, he is what an absolute legend. And people, people want that. They want, they want to. Everybody wants to see themselves as that. And if we. And if you have just a little bit more awareness of the environment stuff is made in then you could then you could know like the Tony the Evil came out in 2016 when Trump was getting elected maybe that's not the show that it needed that needed to be there maybe it we didn't need a show that even if even if it's called Tani the Evil, glorifies Nazis and like makes you like it presents you with characters who are honorable Nazis. And it, it, so yeah, that's that's my that's my thing, I guess is what I'm saying. Is be aware of the environment in which a show is produced, and don't. Don't not like things, but understand that something like Legend of Korra was having conversations about a lot of very hard to have, very supposedly hard to have conversations about things when lots of shows just weren't just weren't interested in dealing with it, and it it should get some brownie points based on the fact that they have scenes in that show 
about police brutality. They have a uh, a native Alaskan march in that show. They have like they have a realistic civil war arc in that show. They they deal with things. They are they they are a show about making the world a better place to live for the characters in that world, not just the show that is pure escapist fantasy. And that's really I mean, that's why Avatar is so lauded because that's what it does. It does that it handles all that stuff kind of expertly. And so if you look at those creators, they've gone on to create things that continue to deal with that. They always make sure to include people of color in their shows. They always make sure to include disabled people in those shows. They always make sure to make those characters rounded out and whole as well. They Dragon Prince Callum is, you're led to believe, biracial, which is awesome. I, so, you just consider the environment in which a show comes out in, and in which a show... And think about whether that show deals with that environment well, or does it. And just Keep that in your head when you think about things that you watch. I think you'll find watching to be a more interesting experience. And on that note, I ran about 10 minutes over here, but my name has been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. If you like this episode, you can subscribe in whatever you're using to listen to me right now. I put out episodes on Thursday and Sunday. Sunday is more of, like, high-brained, this kind of thing. Thursday is a free-for-all on whatever property or show I feel like talking about that week. But until then, I've been Alex, and I will talk to you on Thursday.